You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We're 43 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 24. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined by our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. Hey, what's that, Rick? We got our running back one with us, too, Emory Hunt, because we're talking running backs today. And in case you missed it, we did a mailback episode on Monday. Thanks for all your questions. You can check that out in the podcast feed. And tomorrow... It's another mock draft Thursday, so, uh, so be sure to join us for that. And just a reminder, we're now live three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And as always, you can catch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And while you're there, subscribe and leave us a comment. And hey, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And look, we know you're on text threads about the draft with your buddies. Tell them to listen to with the first pick. All right, one last thing. It's bracket time, so get yours in now on the CBS Sports app. You can play in the men's and women's pools with friends and join our challenges for the chance to win a new car and a trip to the 2024 Final Four. Get the CBS Sports app or visit cbsports.com slash pick six to start filling out your brackets. No purchase necessary. See terms and rules for details. All right, Emery, making his first appearance on the show. Before we get started, did you fill out your bracket? I did not, but I do know one team is going all the way to Final Four. You could pencil in the Raging Cajuns because they're going to get oh, revenge man. on Tennessee. That we should have got my freshman year in college in 99-2000. Should have beat those guys in the tournament. Yeah, I filled out my bracket because Ryan Wilson promoted it on with the first pick. <laughs> so I went right away and filled out that bracket as quickly as I could. Do you want to give us any uh, any people listening that might need some last-minute help on, on who they should pick to win? <laughs> I'm trying. I can't even pick players. How am I supposed to pick basketball team? <laughs> according, okay. to you, according to you, but That's you a- can't either. If anyone looked at your latest mock drop, uh, yeah, we're gonna go through tomorrow. Here's the thing, Emory. He has some good days and he has some bad days when it comes to being nice to me. This is a bad day. It sounds like. All right, Rick. I got a question for you because you were the general manager for more than a decade, as I like to say every time we start this podcast. You've been in personnel for uh, three decades almost. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today, and I, I don't think you watched, but I'll tell—I'll give you the the highlights. He said basically, "I'm I'm going to play for the Jets. It's a matter of, of figuring out the compensation." If you were the general manager in Green Bay, and you knew that Aaron Rodgers was sort of leaning this way, and Aaron did say over the course of the conversation uh, that he didn't think things he was treated as well as perhaps he should have been treated. Um, what are you doing today if you're the general manager? Like, what do you? Are you doing anything? Are you calling the Jets? Are you, are you trying to figure out the compensation? Do you want to get rid of Aaron and roll with Jordan Love? Like, what's plan? What's at the top of the to do list today? Yeah, I think right now it sounds like it's a done deal is that he's not going to play in Green Bay anymore. So I think it, you know, from what you read on the outside, it sounds like it's 
a little bit of a mutual agreement between both parties. Um, so I am on the phone right now with uh, Joe Douglas at the New York Jets and trying to figure out compensation from uh, draft compensation. He's got a huge number uh, on his contract. How are we going to work this out? Uh, are you going to pay part of the bill so we can fit it under our cap? So there's a lot of business that's going on right now and negotiations going on right now, not only with the potential draft compensation, but also with that size number, is he looking to try to extend? Uh, are they going to try to do maybe a three or four year deal to try to push some money out so he can fit? So I'm sure him, his agent, the both general managers are going to work uh, extremely hard here over the next couple hours to try to get this deal done because Green Bay has to know what they're going to have from a room standpoint from a salary cap. And can they go jump into the free agent market right now? I think the only one that they've resigned was their Pro Bowl uh, kickoff and, and punt returner. So they got a lot of work ahead of them. It seems like this was a done deal um, because they already signed one of his favorite targets, mm. Anthony Lazard or uh, Alan Lazard. Alan, yeah. Yep. So they're going to be probably, you know, you hear Cobb's name out there. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers is not only going to play a quarterback for him, but he's going to run the whole show for him as well. Well, he made a point to say on the McAfee show that he had nothing to do with that. And he, he didn't like the accusations that he was sort of channeling, funneling his guys from Green Bay to New York, whatever. Let me throw this number at you, Rick. And, and Look, if you want a primer on how the compensatory picks work and sort of balancing the salary cap, go listen to, to the last episode in which we did the mailbag and Rick laid all that stuff out in, in great detail. But here's the post-June 1st uh, number for a trade. Uh, for The dead cap hit post-June 1st for Aaron Rodgers is $15.8 million. Uh, Pre-June 1st is $40 million. So sometimes you can announce a trade and not have it actually consummate until June 1st, right? Yeah, that's you're getting into down into the weeds on some of these, but a trade does not affect your compensatory picks. Oh, there you go. Look at you. So I know. Yeah. Well, now (laughs) it'll be how all the financial pieces come together and how they're going to figure that out. And that's like I said, what they're probably after they listen to what the first pick will get back to work and grind out this uh, this (laughs) uh, trade and uh, compensation and uh, get rolling. Let me ask you one more thing, and then we'll move on to a quick thing about Jalen Carter. Who has more leverage right now, the the Packers or the Jets? Um, I think if they're both trying to work, uh, I always looked at it whenever I made trades, trying to you know make it a win-win for both sides. Um, you're trying to make it a win for the player as well. So I I, I think they're both trying to make sure that, okay, we're not getting the raw end of this deal and trying to trying to work through all that. But we always try to make it a win-win uh, whenever we made a trade. All right, sounds like that was a press conference answer. All right, we'll circle back on that later. All right, let's talk quickly about Jalen Carter. Georgia had their pro day today, and as Rick spilled the beans, uh, Rick and I will be on the road next week going to some quarterback pro days, so look for that. Um, and by the way, and you were pretty impressed by this when we talked about this in Indianapolis, Rick, Emory's been to eight all-star games over what felt like a four-week span. He's got his football game plan, 2023 draft guide coming out. He's halfway through. You done offense or defense so far, Emory? I've done offense, 645 offensive individual scouting reports. 
Jeez. Can, can we get a copy of that so we know what the heck we're talking about? <laughs> Absolutely. He'll, he'll Absolutely. send you one. But I asked because let's just assume, um, not concern ourselves with the off-field stuff, but where's Jalen Carter in terms of defensive players on your board? Well, you know, for me as someone that's just getting into defensive line, you watch these guys straight through. Um, you like the fact that you, when you watch offensive players, you tend to watch Georgia versus Georgia in that defensive line. So he kept popping up. So he yeah. plays well when the lights are on and he plays well against very good pro level competition. So that is going to be going well for him into the into the tape study when I get to defensive tackles. But you like you like that he consistently pops up on film against some of these top guards, some of these top tackles, and he's making plays consistently. You just hope that what we're seeing on the back end of him playing at Georgia doesn't carry over into his rookie season. Now, you know, he got a lot going on right now. I understand that. So I wanted to treat this as a separate issue and not what we watched two years of film on him uh, putting out there on the field. So, Rick, I asked Emory that question because today the pro day, Jalen Carter was nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine when he came in at 6'3 and an eighth and 3'14. So he's he's 323 now. And if you look at this video here, this is him at his pro day working out. And it doesn't shock you in a good way. Uh, what are your takeaways from that, just knowing that he gained nine pounds and didn't look particularly nimble in, in the bag drill? Oh, it's, I, I hate to put uh, <laughs> an evaluation on a five-second clip. And but if you're the pro day and you hear pounds, these things. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd have to see the workout. Um, but what about I, the, what about the know, nine pounds? Did he confirm if he ran a 40 or not, or did he just do he didn't. position drills? Just position drills. Uh-huh. He's hiding. What about the nine pounds, though? That that's I don't care. That's about the, probably why he did not run, uh, because these guys – and that was a big thing when we were at the combine and I was working uh, with Jeff Foster and, and our committee is that guys will come in. They want to weigh heavier if they're mm. light. They want to wear light. They want to weigh lighter if they he- if they're heavy. Um, and that's why some elect not to run till they get to their pro day. So I uh, weighed in at over 200 pounds. Now, he may not. Well, we talked about this earlier. He may not step on a scale again. I don't know if he'll run or not, but he may run at 195 pounds or 190 pounds, so he runs faster. So there's been some fluctuation as when they changed the events at the combine. Right. When they come in and get weighed in, they can weigh X amount, and then when they run, when they finally run on their workout day their weight could be fluctuate between five to 10 pounds. So we were trying to get a scale put on them before they ran after three days or two days before they ran when they arrived at the uh, combine. But there was a lot of kickback on that on reweighing again. So, and then like I said, I don't know how many pro days I've been to a guy runs uh, and you're worried about his weight, whether, you know, especially if he was light, and he runs fast, but he refuses to step on the scale. Uh, so there's a lot of cat and mouse going on with <laughs> weight and the weight you actually run your 40-yard dash at. So I'm not sure what Jalen Carter played at at Georgia. 314 feels about right. I don't know if he needs – I mean, nine pounds doesn't seem like it would make a difference given the quickness with which he plays. Um, and maybe this is just – he chugged some some water. We don't know. But just, just noteworthy and – 
Rick, I applaud you for not wanting to weigh in on a five-second clip. I tried to set the trap. You didn't fall for it. So uh, I just want to do some quick news there. We're going to take a break, come back, and then we're actually going to talk running backs. That's why we got Emory here. We'll be back in one second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we're talking running backs. Going to talk our top five guys, but first, going to do some sleepers. And Emery, going to start with you because Rick and I did sleepers uh, who were at the Combine. You're going to do sleepers who might even be on this continent. I don't know where they're from. Give us your guy, and let's talk about him. Well, Olazo Gilliam is the all-time leading rusher at UC Davis, right? And he's tailing me for today's game. He's quick in everything he does from his footwork, from his decision-making when he's on the move, and from his ability to make guys miss in the open field. So he's super elusive. He doesn't need volume to be successful. He's a downfield threat in the passing game. So you think in terms of someone like Austin Eckler, he's kind of of that type of uh, ability. And again, to rush for that many yards, over 4,500 yards in his UC Davis career. Dan Hawkins is the head coach out there. UC Davis, really strong program, over five and a half yards a carry. So he's toting the rock in the Big Sky Conference, which is kind of like the Mountain West Conference of the FCS. He was super productive. He had two big games against Cal in back-to-back years. So this is someone that will find his way on an NFL roster and has all the ability to stick uh, in a league for a long time. So that UC Davis had their pro day. I didn't find any pro day results for him. I don't know if you have any off the top of your head. You have a comp for him? You mentioned um, mentioned Austin Eckler there. That That's about where I'm going to compare him to. The only okay. difference is – um, you know, he, he's a legit liability in pass pro, as most running backs are. Nobody wants Fair to run over. Um, but he's a smaller <laughs> guy. He's, what, 5'9", 185. But, man, when I say this guy has the explosiveness, the speed, the agility, um, he's going to be one of those guys that the training camp stories will come out. He's going to wow in the preseason. He's going to end up on a roster. And you think he's probably undrafted, or is there a possibility he gets drafted? Depending on how the, the draft goes, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say he's going to be a priority free agent. Okay. So, Rick, let me ask you, what are you looking at when you're trying to compare the FCS? We've talked about this with other positions, FCS running backs to power five guys when they're not going up against that competition day in and day out. Yeah, well, you can still see their quickness, their ability to drop their weight, um, the pad level, what they run, their contact balance, um, their speed in the open field, especially against uh, guys that may not equate to SEC competition. Uh, you can see how he catches the ball out of the backfield with his hands. So if he goes out there at his pro day, and maybe they didn't have their pro day yet or not, and performs well and puts up some very good numbers, because in order to catch a team's attention, he probably did that uh, from what Emery had said on the tape. But if he goes out to his pro day and runs a 4-7, he's going to be a dud. Uh, so... Uh, 
But if he runs fast, then they're going to be on someone's radar. And these were the type of guys that didn't show up at the combine that our scouts identified out there that, you know, we would bring in on a visit to our facility and knew that we weren't going to draft him or maybe we were going to draft him in the seventh round. And if we were going to consider him late, we wanted to make sure we had a physical on him. And I won't mention a player. We did something similar, but we didn't bring him in, brought him, you know, signed him to a contract, even though we didn't have a physical on him and found out uh, when he came in for rookie minicamp that he had leukemia. So he didn't even know we had it. So we had to, you know, we let him keep a signing bonus. We tried to help him get to where uh, he needed to go to get the help he needed. But that's why these type of guys that uh, I call them rat hole players, the scouts kind of stuff them in a back pocket. And when they uh, bring them out of the rat hole, uh, they'll bring them out at the end. We had our analytics uh, delve into their numbers as well, not only their statistical information, uh, which they performed at during the season, but also once we got the height, weight, speed, and all that other stuff, we would put that. And a lot of these type of guys would rise because we'd have 3,000 Emory hunts on our uh, draft board below getting drafted. But which ones pop up? So this guy was productive. Our scouts liked him from what they've seen on tape. Uh, Analytics pinged him to bring him to the top. So then we would have a coach look at him. And if we really liked him, we'd bring him in as one of our pre-draft visits and then recruit the hell out of him, to be honest with you. Yeah, so UC Davis did have their pro day. I'm not seeing any results for him. There's results for a couple players, so I don't know if it just hasn't been filled in yet or not. But we'll uh, keep it on that to see because, as you point out, a 4-4 versus a 4-7 could be a big difference in terms of um, where he's drafted or where he's signed. All right, Rick, your guy, Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. You've been on him for a while. He was at the Combine. He came in at 5'9 and a half, 210 pounds, and he didn't run a 40, but he plays plenty fast. What do you like about Eric Gray? Yeah, I love his vision. I love his ability to make inline cuts. I love his contact balance. He's a violent runner, always going forward. Um, he'll lower his shoulder through contact. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Really didn't jump out much down at the Senior Bowl, but he was down there at the Senior Bowl as well. But when you watch the tape, this guy is just fun to watch on tape. So I'm not going to – if he runs fast, I think he's going to get drafted on Friday, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I, I really like how this player competes on tape. And so that's uh, – my comparison to him came up with yesterday, was going through, was Tiki Barber. Oh, yeah, you went old school on that one. Yeah. So here's the problem, though, Rick. I'll, only one person on planet Earth can can tell you whether that fits, and we got Emory on the show. So, Emory, what do you think about the Tiki Eric Gray comparison? Listen, I love it because I'm I was a big ACC fan uh, coming up. You know, watching right. him and Warwick Dunn, and then Thomas Jones after uh, Tiki run the football. That's a good comparison. I went with Chase Edmonds for for Gray, um, but I could see that that Tiki Barber, you know, uh, comparison because they both had that fluid style. They're both about the same size. They both have that burst. Um, in elusiveness in the open field. I'm a big, great fan. He's actually my RB6 uh, in this class. Oh, okay. Well, he's, I can, let's see, he's my RB10. How you like that? I had him going early, okay. early, early Saturday, but uh, we haven't seen him run yet. So top of the fourth, I think you're okay with that, Rick. If he runs faster, I'll change it. Yeah. Hey, Emery, just, this is the cue. Uh, Devo just got on 
that even though he has them at number 10, you have to tell Ryan Wilson how much you appreciate all the hard work he puts in this. And I have the utmost <laughs> respect for his opinions. I'll send you a copy of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, email it to Emory because Emory, you got to read it at the end of the show. That's the rules. <laughs> Make sure I get, you guys get it. Man, are you kidding it. me? <laughs> That's a dollar bet, Debo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I, I needed that boost. All right, here we go. Uh, Evan Hull is my guy at Northwestern, and he came into – the all-star season, Rick, as a guy that we liked but never didn't really wow us. He had to do a whole lot at Northwestern. They weren't a very good football team. Um, but he came in, had a good senior bowl, ran really hard, and then he got to the combine. My man ran a 4-4-7. Uh, he's 5-10 and 8, 214. And um, I took a lot away from that senior bowl. It, it sort of changed my opinion. I liked him. I, I didn't um, love him after the coming into the senior bowl. After the senior bowl, I, I really had a, had a soft spot for him. My comp for him, only because he ran so well, was Ryan Matthews going old school a little bit too. Um, he, I don't think he plays that fast, but again, he was asked to do so much um, at Northwestern. He is my running back 13, Emory. I don't know where you got him. It's but, funny. Um, he, he was right underneath Alonzo Gilliam <laughs> in the first oh. line. And his, his, uh, his areas of improvement was lacks the explosiveness of speed to turn an NFL corner. Like, yeah, he, he, he didn't, he didn't play up. that fast. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. And, um, Rick, do you have any thoughts on Evan? Because I know you, you, you liked him for his toughness when we talked at the senior bowl. I didn't know yeah, he, yeah, he caught the ball well out of the backfield. I think he had a one game with plus double-digit catches. Uh, that was the only offense they really had. Uh, I, I would describe him as a rolling ball of butcher knives. That's a good uh, one. <laughs> so, a Dolomite reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, but – I will I'll put that dollar bet out there that since you like him, that uh, Gray will go before your guy, Hall. Oh, right, yeah, make, make that one, Debo. That's a good one. I I, I could see. I just got to hope that – actually, I don't want to say out loud. I don't want Eric Gray to run a 4-8, but if he runs 4-8, I'm going to win the bet. I hope Eric Gray runs a 4-4. Four, four. Um, <laughs> I'll win the bet fair and square, Rick. All right, let's get to our top five here. We'll start at the five. Uh, for, we'll start at number five and work our way up to number one. And, Emory, since you're the guest, we'll go with you. And, man, listen. Rick, I don't know if you know this about Emory, but this man will go out on a limb for a lot of things. And this is a limb because this guy is 5'5", 179, and he didn't run at the combine, but he plays fast. And we're talking about Deuce Vaughn, of course. And I'll tell you a quick story, Emory. You were with us in Indy. I'm not sure if you were there when we talked to Juju Brents, the 6'4 cornerback. And I, I stood next to Juju, and I said, man, I feel like Deuce Vaughn. And he said, don't say that to Deuce because Deuce takes very seriously people calling him small. You have him at number five. Why do you have him that high? No, he's actually my number three. He's my number three back. Um, oh, okay. So for me, I compared him to Darren Sproles. We talked about this when we were at the Combine. When you look at someone that's short, you better be explosive. You better be elusive. You better be dynamic. You better be able to, to be tough and show that you can carry the load. You can't give people a reason to say, oh, he's too small. And Vaughn doesn't give you that reason. He gives you effort and pass for That's all you can ask for. He's a downfield threat in the passing game. He can affect the game without – needing a lot of carries, but you want to give him more carries because he's so dynamic with the football and he plays a lot stronger and feels like he's bigger than that 175. So when you read his weight, you're shocked that, wow, that's how much he weighs because I couldn't tell because he plays bigger than that. So to me, the Sproles comp, again, not just because he's the same height, weight came from the same school. It just fits because that's what I see him as. And I see him as someone that now in today's space game, uh, it's even more advantageous for a guy to be super elusive like him because, again, we know guys don't get 20 to 25 carries anymore. He doesn't have to do that. So he is someone that I can 
see someone like Sean Payton working something up, finding a way to get Deuce Vaughn on his football team and having him thrive in a specific role that he carved out for a Sproles, for a Reggie Bush, for a C.J. Spiller when he had him for that brief season. So I like Sproles. I'm mean, Sproles. I like Vaughn, and I do like his potential moving forward. And by the way, I, I have trouble reading, Rick, and you won't find this a, a surprise. The reason Deuce is fifth is because this is a, a consensus of all three of our, our guys. You had, Emory, as you pointed out, you had Deuce third. Rick and I didn't have him in our top five. And, Rick, I can imagine because he's small and – I, I, I wish I knew how to post things on the internet or on the show. <laughs> what do you want to say? Because I took a picture of him behind the huddle and uh, at the uh, Alabama Kansas State game down at the Sugar Bowl, and it it puts in uh, perspective how small this kid is. Now he may play with the biggest chip on his shoulder that I've ever seen. He probably has the biggest heart. I mean, they gave him, I watched his Noble commercial uh, during a combine, and, uh, you know, he's got a point to prove. So I wouldn't bet against this kid landing on a roster. I think the biggest thing that you have to be concerned about when they're that small, understanding that they have a role, but, you know, what happens if he has to pass pro? Because running backs aren't going to be able to release all the time, depending on if the protection changes. And I think it's going to be a huge mismatch if he has to end up pass protecting. Not that he's not willing to do it. He just doesn't have the physical stature to sit there and try to pick up a linebacker or safety or someone coming off the edge. But I remember he took off in versus Alabama. (laughs) That has a very good defense. Made a quick cut. But to be honest with you, I was behind their offense in the end zone, watching from the end zone on the field. And I couldn't see him. I had no idea where he popped out of. And so small guys usually have a tendency to hide in there between everybody. And he's so quick twitched and such great vision as a runner uh, that he can pick and pull his way through a, a, a little little hole here or there. And then the next thing you know, you see his speed in the open field because I do believe once he gets in the open field, he can finish. So I do see him carving out a role with a football team uh emory hang on just a second Debo told me to say i respect you for all the work and evaluations you do and the 600 and some offensive players that you did i'm looking forward to 800 defensive players that you did but i just cannot agree with bond being in the top five but oh, i do respect go. that he does respect you though that's important to know all right i know you like this guy rick emory i'll come back to you consensus rank between the three of us tajay spears out of two lane comes in fifth emory he's your number four guy um He's my number five guy. Rick didn't have him rank among his top five, but he went to the senior bowl, had a great week, had a great season at Tulane. And he talked about how that season ended for them, beating the crap out of USC. What do you like TJ so much? He has outstanding vision and a feel for the run game. Some backs just kind of hit the hole and do what they're told, but they don't have a real good feel for the run game. So he combines the, the vision with the patience and the explosiveness. And what really jumped out to me watching him last year was how he has the ability to, to re ignite the explosiveness some guys hit the, the button and that's it they're they're gassed out right there but he can be explosive through the hole and then find a second and sometimes third gear to accelerate past the, the back end defender so for me it was just a level of explosiveness within this game uh the vision the the fact that hey Tulane's about to run the football 
you know that on the other side, you still couldn't stop him or their offense. And it was a lot of it was him. Uh, we know he catch football out of the backfield. Um, and, and that's a big thing. The pass pro obviously needs technical work. And I compared him to Brees Hall, even though Brees Hall is six feet, 220, mm. and Spears came in at 5'9, 204. I was more shocked that he came in at 5'9, 204 because he doesn't play shorter and, and smaller, but he has good enough size to where he can be a foundational back. And I just like the fact that he has that that second and third level explosiveness that you rarely see. So, Rick, he didn't run at the Combine, so we didn't have a 40 time on him. We saw him have a fantastic practice week at the Senior Bowl. Do you need to see a 40 from him, or have you seen enough? Yeah, no, I, it's it's a skill position, so you would like to get at least a 40 time on him uh, because it's a skill position. Um, but his vertical is broad, you can see there, uh, all explosive, so you can tell that he's an explosive athlete. Uh, you think that he can run in the four fours uh, when you watch the tape on him. There's no question about his game speed, especially when you see the uh, USC game. Um, but I, I didn't have him in my top five. I do like him as a player, but I think this draft class is so thick with running backs. You can pick 10 guys and put them in any way, shape or form you want after the first two and everybody's uh Opinions are going to be different. So that's what will be exciting about this draft after Gibbs goes, after Robinson goes, however, but how every other team has these running backs stacked because there's a lot of very good running backs in this draft class. All right. Consensus pick number four, Roshan Johnson out of Texas. I mean, I don't want to call him a backup because he, he's not in my mind, a backup player. He's a, he's a running back one, but he was behind B. John Robinson to Texas. And as I like to say, Rick, uh, didn't get very many carries. So that's great for the NFL team to get some. Uh, he's actually bigger than, than uh, B. John when they weighed in six, six feet and a half, 225, and ran a four, five, eight. Rick, I'll let you start here. He was your number five guy. He's my number three running back. Do you care about the four, five, eight at all? Uh, a little bit. I think he plays fast enough, but he's a built up speed guy. Uh, the thing that was very intriguing about him is that he does he's an explosive runner for his size. I think he has good, not great game-breaking speed. Uh, you can see that on some of the kickoff returns that he had. The thing that impressed me the most is that this guy is an offensive player, a skilled position offensive player, running down and making plays on kickoffs. So that tells me this guy knows how to play the game. Um, but the, the four, five, eight was a little disappointing, but he, I think he's an in-between the tackles runner, uh, that's going to hit a lot of, a lot of singles and doubles and a triple every now and then. I just don't know if he's going to be the, the guy that's going to break the 80 yarder and at the NFL level. So I told you my comp form was Alexander Madison. I think you had a different one. I don't know if you remember it off the top of your head. Uh, who, the, uh, running back from Indiana, the, uh, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, that's right. That's it. Okay. So singles, doubles, occasional triple feels pretty good. Great in the special teams and not just a returner on coverage. And also he can block. I would imagine I have him going late second. Does that feel too rich or feel you feel okay with that? Who are you asking? Me or Emery? If I'm you're going to you. host this, you need to direct traffic there, bud. I'm asking you, General Manager Spielman. <laughs> I, again, it'll be interesting to see how all these teams stack these running backs after the first two. Okay. Uh, I could see him potentially going there. I'm not going to argue with you that. I see more likely third. Okay. Uh, but it depends on what's coming off the board. And 
uh, as I'm working and we're all working on trying to figure out this free agency and how teams are filling their needs. But I, I can, I'm not going to argue with you, even though I think it's a little rich. I would do the third round on him, not the second. Um, you know, we took Alexander Madison in the third. He was still there in the third, similar style. Uh, I think Alexander Madison ran a little faster, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, our crackpot research team would probably figure that out eventually. But uh, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Ah, I got I'm some not good news. Agree with you, but I'm not going to disagree with you either. Well, agree with this: Alexander Madison ran a four six seven. Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. Four four six. <laughs> he was a good player. I don't. I have no issue with the four six seven. I think that to me tells me that the four five eight does is not the end of the world. Correct. And yep. that's what that's what you said basically. Um, let me ask you, Emery, because you didn't have Roshan in your top five. In fact, your your number five was a guy that. Um, Pete Briscoe has been talking up uh, Keaton Mitchell out of ECU. Who's a little spark plug. He's a fun guy. Why did Roshan not make your top five? Well, first let me grab what Debo just sent me. So I can read it off. Uh, I respect both of you guys' opinion. But I have to, you know, respectfully disagree with you guys. Um, for me, yeah, make sure you take the label off that juice because that's not a sponsor of our program. So we cannot give them free advertisement. That's right. I thought this was CBS blue. So that's why I picked it up. Yeah. Um, so when you look at uh, Roshan Johnson, I think just from a running back perspective, he keeps everything play side. So from a defensive perspective, hey, if we beat him to the spot and clog it off, he's not going to cut it back. He's a high cut runner. You know, he, he's that, like Rick talked about, that build up speed kind of guy. So he doesn't have the agility. He's not going to work front side to back side. And he's not, so you don't have to worry about him beating you on the other, you know, on a cutback run because he's going to keep it uh, to where the play is designed to go. And to me, that just limits him as a runner. Um, he also doesn't have that explosiveness uh, about his, his running ability. And that's evident that he would average 17 yards a kickoff return. That's not, you know, yeah, you like the fact that he returns kicks. But I mean, that doesn't mean he's going to be a kickoff returner. Exactly right. And so I do like the fact that he's a, a versatile guy. He doesn't mind blocking for a teammate. At times, you saw both of those guys in the backfield at the same time. So when you have him in a game, you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass, or you know he's going to block. So you love that that aspect. But I do like the fact that he's someone that competes. He understands his role. He's a good teammate. I compared him to Alex Barnes, who played at Kansas State a couple of years ago. Big back that has good speed, that kind of plays a little bit like him. So I see him as more of an RB2 in the at the pro level. Uh, and Alexander Madison, I think, is a good comparison because that's the type of guy that you want uh, backing up a frontline starter. Man, and I one thing you got to just note about these big backs is that they wear defenses down, so don't expect him to come in and break an 80-yarder right off the bat. Where they become effective, the more you feed the beast, and a guy and running back this size, they tend to wear the defenses down late in the game when they are able to, a team is able to establish a run game. But he's not a quick guy, a, a, a big play guy to come off the bench and give you a, a, a quick score here, there. This one you have to feed uh, in order to uh, get him lathered up and let him wear down the defense. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have Debo make another dollar back because you guys are disrespecting Roshan to a degree that I cannot stand. So Roshan's my number three running back. Um, Deuce Vaughn is Emory's number three running back. And Rick, your number three running back is Devon Aching. So I'm going to ask Debo to make a dollar bet that my guy has a better season yards wise than your guys. Okay. 
<laughs> you want some of that heat? Uh, oh, okay there, tough guy. Now he's coming out. All of a sudden, the guy gets a lot of confidence behind the mic because he's the host. So we got to respect the host, or I get yelled at for not That's respecting right. the host. For All right, so too sarcastic, which I'm why, not. Why you guys think about that? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. And by the way, check out the Pick 6 podcast all week for free agency reactions and a heavy dose of winners and losers. Download and follow Pick 6 NFL podcast anywhere you find this one. All right, let's get to number three. I mentioned Devon A-Chain. We talked to him at the uh, at the Combine as well. I asked him if he'd ever been run down from behind at any point in his 21 years on planet Earth. He said he has no idea what that feels like. And that explains the 4-3-2. He's a legit track guy. Came in at 5-8 and 6-8. Weighed 188. Rick, he's number three on your board. He's number four on my board among the running backs. Emory somehow has him unranked. Rick, I'll start with you, and then Emory can explain himself after you're done. Oh, boy. Well, I would tell you this kid uh, for a small back, and when you have these small backs that are fast like he is, the first thing you look at on tape is 99% of the time they're going to plant and they're going to try to cut outside because they don't like to go up in there and get dirty with the big boys and then outrun angles in the open field. A-chain is totally different. He is a patient runner. He is a small back with excellent speed, but he puts his foot in the ground, and he's not afraid to run between the tackles. Or what I refer to as ride the wave is as he shows patience, as he kind of moves uh, outside, and then he'll stick his foot in the ground as soon as he sees an opening. So he's not a guy that's going to, like I said, uh, make a plant and then try to outrun anyone. He actually runs like a bigger back. I think he catches the ball well out of the backfield. As I mean, we can say it a thousand times. None of these running backs are very good in pass protection, <laughs> but they don't spend a lot of time doing that. That may be an issue because of his size, but I definitely uh, see this guy is a potential 1B uh, swift type back when he came out of Georgia. Uh, I think another guy that kind of reminded me a little bit of him, uh, uh, Ronnie Hillman, who came out of San Diego State a long time yeah. ago, uh, was kind of an explosive playmaker like this. But I think he's going to carve out a, a niche as a, uh, as a change of pace back for somebody. Day two guy, you think, Rick? Like early day two? Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to say whew, this is a hard one. I didn't understand the last dollar bet, but you're down so many dollars now, it doesn't even matter anymore. But do you want to put a dollar bet on it that A-Chain goes before Robinson or, or before uh, Roshan. Roshan Johnson? No, I think he will go before Roshan. All I said was that my guy <laughs> is going to run for more yards than your guy and, and, and Amory's guy. Okay. That's okay, that's, that's your uh, bold prediction. Again, like you were trying to do at the Combine. 
Yeah. Rick, you, you need I to think that Anthony Richardson will run under four six. I Boy, is that a bold prediction? We go out on a limb there. Emory, I didn't say that number one. And these guys, him and Frisco, making up stuff. Rick, I need you to read the sheet of paper again because we're getting. <laughs> All right. So listen, here's the thing, Emory. I won't tell you who your number one and number two are yet. We'll we'll reveal that as we get through mm-hmm. the show here. But your number three is Deuce Vaughn. Your number four is Ty J Spears, and then Keaton Mitchell at ECU. I mentioned previously. No Devon A-Chain on this list. So what's going on there? Well, A-Chain is my RB9. You know, so he's right outside. And we talk about between him and number five is a two-point difference. So I have the same grade on A-Chain as I do on Gray. So you just kind of stack these guys. If they have the same grade, one may do a little bit something better in a certain area. So Rick talked about his pass pro. You like the, you know, the willingness to get in there and, and fight that's what you want it's all about knowing who to block number one if you if you know who to block that's half the battle because we're all going to get run over so knowing who to block instead of just whiffing completely (laughs) i could roll with that um but for a chain for me i think at times he's a little bit too eager to get to the hole um and misses some opportunities by not allowing the, the interior stuff to develop um he really he's really ready to get out there and just get to the second level and he has that thing that spears has that uh, ability to, to hit that second and third gear. I love that about him. My first note in my scout report, very determined runner to where it's almost like trying to tackle an over-aggressive puppy. This dude is mm. like a hard-nosed, determined runner. I compared him to Amar Bradshaw with how he ran yeah. in conjunction to how he's, he's built. He's a lot faster than Bradshaw, uh, but one of the weaknesses was about him being too eager to hit the lane and got to continue to work on his strength. You know, I know that's easier said than done, uh, but I feel like sometimes he, he's – he gets off balance. Like, you know, a, a regular tackle he should run through kind of knocks him over to the side where he just loses control, loses his balance. So it's all about getting stronger in your core, and that helps with that, adding a little bit more weight, probably getting up to maybe 195 without losing that explosiveness. But like I told about the combine when we talked, this is someone that took pride in that position. Back when, you know, Dante Hall used to dot that eye at Texas A&M. This is back when that position meant something at that program and the fact that he took pride in that and really was determined to run in between the tackles, I became a big fan. Yeah, with all due respect, Emory. <laughs> I Bring believe it. that. <laughs> Here comes a disrespectful mark. <laughs> I'm asking a question. I want to learn. I learn every day. When you think you have all the answers, that's when people pass you by. Mm-hmm. So with a different this is great because this would be like in a draft room when I would direct the question directly at you right now. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that you would take the 5'5", five, five, Deuce Vaughn, over A-Chain if we had to pick and select a running back. Right, because to me, I feel like A-Chain needs a little bit more carries to get going with Deuce Vaughn. You could be, he could be on the sideline asleep. Hey, him, man, get up and go in there and get up. Get no up one would be able to see him, so they wouldn't know if he's sleeping or not. <laughs> and, and that, that's a whole different thing, too, because by the time you, you get those short backs like that, by the time you see him, it's too late because now you, you're on your toes, and he's already going to make that move working two or three frames ahead of you in a run game. So I like him, yes, a little bit more than A-Chain. If it became – if you told me to choose between Gray and A-Chain, I'm going to choose Gray because I feel like Gray is a little bit more of a fluid athlete uh than a chain even though they have the same grade so if i'm going to pick between two guys that i like i'm gonna take the one that's a little bit more fluid and actually gives a little bit more um success in pass pro 
Okay, so put a dollar bet on this, Debo, that I will take A-Chain and we'll get drafted before that's, Deuce Vaughn. That's, 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 easy, that's a easy – you know, you you came from the NFL. You know if you're not 6 feet <laughs> 20, you're not getting drafted. That's an easy bet. I'll give you the dollar on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, Rick, let, let me ask you seriously, though. So – Five eight and and three quarters versus five five and an eighth. One eighty eight versus one seventy nine. Is that a huge difference when you're talking about running backs? Or are they basically in the are they in the same cluster? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, but I, the, the five eight and a half or almost five nine is a difference between a five five guy. There yeah. is some difference. There's not a lot of five five dudes running around in the NFL right now. None. Although if it was up to Ryan and Pete Prisco, that would be we'd be we'd be in the six feet and under league. That's, That's what right. the NFL would be called because <laughs> they love everybody under six foot that are equal in size to them. But uh, no, I, I, that does make a difference. But I also think that these smaller backs are more valuable than maybe they were five six years ago because hmm. look at all the success that these smaller backs had with the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Um, you know, with Scott with. Um, uh, and all their backs were, were game were, well. Were, yeah, all those guys yeah. are small. Game well, all those guys are small backs. But because the offenses and the NFL has turned into playing in space a lot more, that's given these guys an opportunity to shine. All right, Rick. I'll ask you this quickly, and we'll move on to the top two. Let's say that um, Austin Eckler, who has requested a trade reportedly, let's say he leaves Los Angeles. Is Devon A. Chain a good fit in that system? Not where, where you're talking about taking him. You take him in the second round. Yeah, I, I think they would definitely have to consider him. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get to the top two. And, you know, no surprise, it's going to be Bijan and or Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson out of Texas, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Uh, we talked to both young men in Indianapolis, both great guys, um, fine young men, as I like to say, Rick. <laughs> but here's the thing, Emery, I'll let you go first because uh, you're mixing up a little bit, a bit here. Who? Let's start. Who's your number one? Let's go there. It's Jameer Gibbs, and I, you know, I, I rarely give out 90s in terms of grades. He has one of them, and I'm talking about 90s. I've given out to uh, Gabe Jackson. I've given out to Zion Johnson, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Watson, Mahomes. I even gave one to Kaiser, Lamar Jackson, um, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So rarely do I give out the 90s. Um, he got one because from day one, back when he was at Georgia Tech, it was just like. This dude is different. Like, he's ready to play. It, it was the same feeling I had watching Falk at San Diego State. Like, all right, I, I done seen enough. I ain't seen it all, but I've seen <laughs> enough, right? Like, this dude has the the it. Like, he's he's fluid. He's explosive. Has the vision. He's a game breaker. Um, he's a threat as a receiver. He could be a slot receiver if you wanted him to be one. He could be your, you know, day one starter at kick returner and punt returner because he has the, the ability to wiggle, which makes him a great kick uh, punt returner. He has a home run hitting speed, which makes him a great kickoff returner. And the fact that he is someone that I actually participates in pass pro can butt up really well versus blitz and uh, does a great job in, in finding the whole front side, the back side. So he encompasses everything that you look for at the tailback position. So if I'm drafting him, if I'm, I mean, ideally, if I'm, if I have a Justin Fields, if I have an Anthony Richardson, if I have any mobile quarterback, I'm pairing them up with Jameer Gibbs, and I'm going to lead the league in rushing for the next decade plus because this dude is phenomenal um, in terms of everything that he brings to the table. So the only weakness I've had written here is that there are times when he's a little bit too patient trying to pick and slide his way through a lane. That's a 
problem that I never had because I never had that type of speed. So <laughs> when you have that ability to pick and slide, that speed, type of patience, or we can go into your scouting report. Right, we, I, I never had that type of anything. So when you think about someone like Marshall Falk used to do it like at, with the Rams, like used to like man, how did he just pick and slide his way? He fell for five yards. That's give. Sometimes you get a little bit too patient. You want him to hit the hole, but other than that, he's a home run hitter in every sense of the word. Emory, do you have a uh, comp for for Jameer Gibbs? A more explosive Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is one that's popular. Dalvin Cook is one that's popular. And by the way, let me tell you this quickly, Emory. We were sitting on set talking to the running backs, and you were there for some of that, and then the wide receivers. I would point out to these guys that uh, I would point to Rick and say, that's the guy that drafted Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. And you would have thought those guys just saw Santa Claus uh, <laughs> the night before Christmas. They, they're they like, oh, this guy knows what's up. I got I to gotta take him seriously, even though he's making these terrible dad jokes. So, Rick, you're a comp, and this is the one that Jameer gave us on set, is Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Now, 5'9 and an eighth, 199, ran a 4'36. Any concerns about him as to why he shouldn't be running back one? Because for you and I, he's running back two. Yeah, just the, the, just the size, the 200 okay. pounds. He was close to 200 pounds. But the, I, again, depending, there's no like old school, like when we drafted Adrian Peterson, we were going to take Adrian Peterson off the field. Uh, but now there seems to be a more of a rotation. Uh, with these backs trying to keep them healthy, plus with the added 17th game, you're talking about preseason, postseason. So you try to keep a lot of these running backs healthy because they do have a shorter shelf life than any other position. But I'm not going to argue. This is uh, one of my favorite kids in the in the whole entire draft, and uh, I just had a little concern if he can be a. If you put the ball in his hands 25 times a game. I don't think he's going to last from a durability standpoint. Robinson, I think because he's bigger and thicker, can probably last a little longer from a durability standpoint. Uh, but Jameer Gibbs is, is to me, and the reason I said uh, Christian McCaffrey is because I thought he was that unique as a pass receiver. And Emory, you, you know, when you alluded to they can put him in a slot, he made a catch along the sideline in a Tennessee game that a receiver couldn't make. And it just like, wow, this – and then he dropped a little option F angle with Texas route, whatever you want to call it. At the and end of the game the there. Yeah. That I, that I seen him made. made. I think you may be right. I think that maybe his only drop of the year. I mean, it came at a critical time, uh, but he he's a first round pick in my mind. Do you disagree with that, Rick? Or would you rather take him to the top of the second? Oh, he'll go on to the top of the second, but I think he's first round talent. Okay. And finally, of course, B. John Robinson. Um, the comps for me and Rick are Saquon Barkley. And he came in at 5'11 on the dot, 215, ran a 446. Emery, what was your comp for him? And what's a good fit for him? Because I'll tell you, and Rick brought this up initially last week on the podcast, and I put it in my mock draft this week. I had him going 14 to the Patriots just because it helps solve a lot of needs for the Patriots offensively. He probably goes later than that. Uh, but do you have a comp for Bijan and where, where are some good fits for him? You know, I, I compared him to Cedric Benson. Um, oh, nice. I don't I don't particularly see the Saquon, although I do respect you guys' opinion <laughs> and ability to make these comps. Um, Man, you, you pick it up quick. <laughs> well, I respect your opinion, but go back and watch him catch it of all. <laughs> well, well, here, here's why I don't think he's Saquon, because he doesn't have that jittery explosiveness that Saquon had. Say, I could put one run from Saquon's college career up against any runs you put up from Bijan, and that one run is against USC, where he just had to bounce it outside make three different moves, work back across the middle of the field and still had enough juice to outrun everyone to the end zone. 
Bijan has nothing like that on tape. And Bijan, to me, sometimes doesn't always play as physical as you would like. I feel like there's too often where one guy brings him down. Um, I, I think I like you to break that tackle. But what I love about Bijan is the fact that, first of all, handling pressure. And we all want guys that are able to handle that pressure uh, going into a, a pro game because that's what it's all about. But I'm talking about being the, the top recruit, the star running back at that program with that lineage and not stinking. A lot of guys fold with that type of ancillary pressure on them. He rose to the occasion. I feel like he didn't get utilized enough at Texas. Um, he's another one that you can put at receiver and allow him to be a slot guy. So like I view him with Gibbs, he's a game day matchup piece. Okay, today we're going to utilize your receiving skills a little bit more so than your ability to run the football. Hey, in this game, we're going to need you to carry the football 20 to 24 times because that's what the, the matchup dictates. So he has the vision. He has the footwork. And what I like most about him, and this is a subtle running back, running backy thing that I've noticed about Bijan specifically, is how he's able to make those last-second moves within a confined space. And I always use this as an example for Bijan when talking about him. Remember Marcus Allen in the Super Bowl against Washington? Not the long run, but the shorter one where he was inside the five where he had cut it back, and right before he he was losing balance, and right before he dove for the goal line, he made another subtle move that kind of bought him enough space to be able to dive for the end zone. That's type of stuff that... That's a that's a, a hell of a lot of nuance, and you see that with Bijan that he's able to make that that uh, second reaction move in a confined space that not a lot of backs can do. So for me, I love the the prospect. Talk with him, love the kid, and I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. I compared him to Cedric Benson, so I'm looking at him going to where I wish he can go to some place like Miami. I wish he can go to some place like uh, New Orleans. I think they need a, a guy that can set the table for. And Alvin Kamara, who operates better, in my opinion, off of, you know, in a complimentary role, Bijan could be that Mark Ingram, could be that Deuce McAllister for Reggie Bush, can be that Pierre Thomas for Reggie Bush. He can be that guy for Alvin Kamara. And I feel like that's where uh, some ideal fits for me, for Bijan. I know Chicago is an easy one as well. Any back that goes with a mobile quarterback is going to have success. But I feel like when you think about Bijan, Saints, Dolphins, Buffalo, they need a they need a, a back um, that can set the table as well. I think those are some great fits. Rick, what do you think about Buffalo, James Cook, and then Bijan? Yeah, uh, because Cook is like a one B or more of the receiver uh, opposite of what Bijan Robinson is. He's not a guy that can tote the rock and carry it 25, 30 times a game. Um, so I think that would be a, a, a great combination. All right, Rick, let's take a look at your. Running backs from the last five classes. You got them ranked one. Oh, yeah. 10. I'm anxious to hear your guys' opinion on this because it's actually like me not having to evaluate what you guys are doing. You can go ahead and pick me apart on this, which you're going to be wrong, but go ahead and pick. <laughs> I respect your opinion, but that's our new thing. <laughs> so if you're watching on YouTube, you see the top 10 there. If you're listening, we'll start at number 10, and I'll go through 10 through 5. And, Emory, you tell me what you think about those, and then we'll do the top five there. I'll do 10 through 6, excuse me. So number 10, Ken Walker. Number 9, DeAndre Swift. Number 8, Brees Hall. Number 7, Jameer Gibbs, who's coming out in this class, obviously. And number 6, Travis Etienne. Emory, what sticks out to you there? Guys, you have higher, maybe lawyer. What do you think? Listen, I would have had DeAndre Swift higher. He was another one of those guys that I, that I saw – behind Chubb and um, 
the other kid that went to New England. Um, when I saw uh, Sony Michelle, oh, gotcha. I was like, "This their third back is the best one." You know, this dude who <laughs> just super elusive. Um, so I would have him higher. I didn't have Kenneth Walker graded that high. I feel like he ran into his blockers far too many times um, at Michigan State. Also at Vanderbilt, and he was doing it with the Seahawks. So that was the only complaint. But the other guys, I, I would be, you know, I'll be fine with. But I would have Swift higher. Man, yeah, I love. The only problem with Swift was durability. Yeah, we there had you go. concerns with so that's why we had him. I stacked him below there because I took in durability as an account. Which you have to do in your in your job. <laughs> in the media, you don't. You can make up things in the media, Rick. And this goes back to 2018, by the way. I I love Ken Walker. He was my running back one last year. And I don't think I told you this. Uh, I know I told Emory. I showed Emory the video. He may have been on set, but I didn't tell you this, Rick. Last year on set, um, Jamie Eisenberg, who, as you call him, the sniper, and rightly so, <laughs> me, Jamie, and Ken Walker and Tommy Tran is, is hosting. And Jamie turns to 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 uh, Brees Hall and says, hey, by the way, Ryan Wilson, our draft analyst, has you number two behind Ken Walker. <laughs> and Brees turns to me, and he looked like he was going to punch me in the face. <laughs> I get it. And he said, this is what he said to me, Rick. He goes, I'm top two, and I ain't two. I said, <laughs> I said all right, high five, my man. You're number one now. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to you. You're you're 22 years old. You're a really good football player. I like Ken Walker. They both had good seasons before Brees got hurt. Hopefully he comes back, and he's better than ever. All right, Amy, let's get to the top five. Number five, Najee Harris. On Rick's list, going back to 2018, number four, Jonathan Taylor. Number three, Nick Chubb. Number two, he just spitting in your face. And he's got Bijan as high as number two behind the best comp in the world to Bijan, Saquon Barkley. What do you think about this one through five? You know, it's interesting. Um, going back to that, uh, I guess that was the 2018 class. I had a higher grade. And I'm going to tell you why. I had a higher grade on Rashad Penny than I did Nick Chubb. Mm. And the reason why, I didn't know how healthy Chubb was going to be coming off that injury. Was he going to regain that explosiveness that he had when he first popped on the scene at Georgia? And I started to implement that around 2017. Like, hey, man, I got to look at a guy's injury report. And I can't just say, oh, when he's healthy, he's going to be great. Like, that's that's right. something that you got to take into account. But clearly, he proved that he was, you know, just like old Chubb. Uh, so I can respect <laughs> him having that old number Chubb, three. Like you know, so I would have probably put Bijan like, you know, out that top five, because this is a strong as hell uh, group with, with guys that were studs in college. Bijan is, I, I, if we're doing the top five, I would say Bijan would probably be, he may be tied with Najee Harris. Maybe. Okay. And Rick, you told me that you guys well, you love. Remember when we did this, it was our grades coming yeah. out, not what they are as pros. Right, right. Because and, and, I had a high grade on Barkley. Barkley was my, would be my number one. I had a high grade on, on Taylor. Um, and I had a higher grade. I had a high grade on Najee Harris because I just liked the whole complete package. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as, as I'm talking about his prospects. And yeah. Like you said that when, when you're in them draft meetings and what we, you know, we'll, you know, because Chubb didn't have a lot of mileage on him like we've talked about because uh, he was alternating with uh, Sony. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then Jonathan Taylor, they ran him to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he came out of Wisconsin, you know, how many, the things we, you always go back in, well, how many of those Wisconsin backs that have come out really had a lot of success at the NFL level, even though they were phenomenal in the big 10, you know, and Wisconsin runs them 55,000 times a game. So they, they, they're, they're pretty, uh, beat up, 
you right. know, not, you know, they pass physicals and everything, but that's a lot of blows to take to the body before you get to the NFL. The reason we had Chubb up there was because we liked him and because he was also a low mileage running back too. And um, I don't know him personally, but by all accounts, he's a, he's a great dude too, which obviously awesome. helps. You're coming yep. into the building. All right, one last thing quickly. And can you tell them that Najee Harris did not even know who I was when I interviewed him? He thought I was a uh, scout in the Northeast when I was playing. <laughs> he goes, who are you? And I said, I just scout the Northeast. I'm cross-checking running back, so I want to come over and meet you. I, I go, "What? who are you? You know, so, It was a pretty good little cat and mouse game we had until we figured out who I was. By the way, Rick, this is the first time uh, on the podcast that you you named names there. Before, it was just a a really good first-round player. Now you told us who it was. (laughs) But you did say that he Googled you over the course of the meeting and came back and made sure he... Yeah, he Googled while we were sitting there talking. (laughs) (laughs) And his face changed, didn't it? And I just got to give credit to those kids because at the Senior Bowl, they're just taking them from 10 to 10 to 10, all those, and then... They're doing 32 back-to-back interviews at 15-minute clips, so that's hard for those kids to understand, you know, who they're talking to all the time and what. But now I'm sure he's watching with the first pick podcast and actually knows who I am. And he respects you. He respects me. He respects Emory, and he he loves what we're doing. Quickly, and I can't on the wait way to out. get my hundred dollars from Emory when H chain goes before Vaughn. Oh man! Oh that's man! A- you just jumped. You just marked up the price <laughs> like eggs. You just went up like, <laughs> like eggs. <laughs> yeah, you can you can buy a dozen eggs at hundred dollars. All right, Emory. Let me ask you this quickly: How many running backs to get drafted in the first round on April twenty seventh? How many will or how many should will in real life? I say two. I, I'm gonna I'm go Bijan and and um and uh Gibbs. Tamir, what do you think, Rick? Are you are we cool? We put a dollar bet on this one too. Let's put a well, depends on what side you going on. Uh, I'm gonna say one. Yeah, my concern is how late does the first running back go off the board? Whether it's Jameer or Bijan, I think it's Bijan, but who knows? And if you're watching on YouTube, Debo has a list of running backs that have gone in the first round. Oh no, this is running backs. Uh, that when they were drafted. So Brees was the first one last year at 36. And then Najee, the aforementioned Najee Harris, went 24 in 2021. And then, of course, Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, was the last pick in the first round in 2020. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh rounder last year, turned out to be better. So it's hit or miss. And Ezekiel Elliott's on this list back in 2016. He went fourth overall. It sounds like he's going to get released. And uh, so that's the, the peril of drafting and running back early, unless his name, of course, Rick, is Adrian Peterson. All right. That's it. That is a wrap on episode 24. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, for the support. We really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. for Mock Draft Thursday. Thanks to my co-host, Rick Spillman, our running back one, Emory Hunt. Thanks to Devo for producing. See you guys tomorrow.